This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Open to Alchemy podcast. I'm your host, Lauren, and I am here with my special guest, Hales, who is an intuitive and a creative and guides souls through evolution. And I am so excited to have you here and talk about all the things. We are both multi-passionate and have all these different things that light us up. And so I can't wait to dive in. So happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love, maybe we could just kick it off by um, sharing a little bit about how you got to this point on your journey. As I mentioned, there's so many different things that you work with and that you offer. Is it something that you always were connected to this intuitive side of you? Or is that something that's really, you know, developed in just the last few years? I have always uh, felt wise to some extent. Um, and was often frustrated with the idea of, oh, you're, you're young, you don't know anything. And so that was something that I really struggled with growing up. And then I also went through a lot of trial and error. So I experienced um, doubt with all of these people telling me I'm too young. And then um, also having failed in a natural way, in a way that was really important to my growth and um, not having that mean anything about me was difficult at the time because everyone kept saying, well, you're young, like you just have to try things out for yourself. Like you don't know anything type of energy. So that was something that I had to re-look at as I was starting my growth journey. I think over the last two years, I started really diving into my growth and that looked uh, with a spiritual lens too at the time. Unlocking my spirituality was something that really launched my deep dive into myself and really uncovering all of the uniqueness that I have and the uniqueness that other people have and really wanting to highlight that um, because I feel like so often that's how like people are told that they can't be themselves just because it's not societally accepted in terms of like you grow up you don't want to go to school for eight hours right let's say that you feel so drained by the end of eight hours and because you're not cut out for this eight hour workday and that's hard for people to it's like no you have to go to school but you have to learn you have to go to school like everyone else and show that you can get good grades and well one <laughs> the grades <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but, 
when it, it takes away from like the whole learning aspect of it in to begin with um because doing well on tests doesn't necessarily mean that you studied very effectively or will retain the information so it was just like all of these things where I realized people around me and myself included had done things that didn't feel natural to them and really shut out their authentic side to fit in to and but it was coming out of a place of being like a good citizen a good human being you know (laughs) yeah no absolutely it's sort of you know we want to be good children or good friends or good students or good you know people that are contributing to the world in some way and there is a very specific limiting model for which we are shown how to do that And I think it's so interesting what you're saying, because for so many of us, and you know, I'm a parent, I I want my children to, to find what they love and to figure out what they, you know, what lights them up and what they're good at and what comes easy to them and all of these sort of beautiful things that make them unique. And yet we're pushing that through a model that really is all about conformity so that everybody can fit in this box. And at some point you get to the end of school and now you're supposed to all of a sudden have access to all these things that make you special and unique. So you can apply to college or you can start a business or you can go get a job or a trade, Mm -hmm. but we haven't done any work up until then to allow those things to be discovered or cultivated or flourish or anything like that. Yes, exactly. And I think that's why I was so drawn to human design originally Mm -hmm. is because it, not that this is something that should be needed, but it gave people permission to be themselves and break free of this mold that they had been grown in. And I feel like there's something so powerful just about that basic concept that human design is all about um, in shifting the mindsets of the world. Yeah. Oh, I, I love, love, love human design. I talk about it all the time. <laughs> I love doing sessions with people. And, you know, it's funny that we're bringing this up because one of the things that it is such a powerful modality And I'm so glad that there's so many of us that are connecting with it because the language of it, I think is such a block to people. If you just stumble across it on your own or you hear about it and then you go research it. And so I love that we as little stewards of this modality are able to put it into a vocabulary, a language, a way of seeing and understanding things that is, you know, through our lens. So we're even putting our unique touches on it and then reaching people for which we connect with, you know, the way we see it, the way we talk about it. Obviously there's the main tenants and it's not changing the foundation of it, but, and for people that are listening who have had sessions or have looked into it on their own, they will completely relate to it. It just sometimes feels very, um, challenging to digest depending Mm -hmm. on who you are (laughs) for some people 
how they're designed, love every single thing. And it all makes so much sense and it all just flows. And for other people, like for me, I feel like I get it and then I need to synthesize it and then I need to put it into my own language. And that's my gift in using it. Yeah, definitely. I I also struggle sometimes with finding my personal definitions. The way that I like to do it, my ideal <laughs> um, thinking process is to get this perspective, this perspective, that perspective, and a whole bunch of different perspectives, and then sit with it, and then decide, no, I think it's this one, you know, but that obviously takes a lot of prep work, <laughs> so yeah. in the process, like, being okay with, like, not having a whole bunch of perspectives and just kind of starting to move away from this exact definition that somebody else this exact like perspective that somebody else had about something and acknowledge that that's their perspective and it's a beautiful perspective but at the end of the day my own words will resonate with me deeper Mm, definitely oh my gosh and also it is an experiment and so there is that element of playing and practicing and trying things and embodying different things and seeing what fits or how that works. And there's so many layers that just unfold. I mean, I love that, you know, I'll be having a conversation with someone and all of a sudden, like something will just like perfectly present itself. That's like a little case study or (laughs) a little model to explore. So it's really... I mean, people that listen know that it's one of the things that I love, but I would also say that the more that I strengthen my intuitive abilities and the more that I feel that I've evolved and I've transformed and I feel more confident, the less I find myself leaning on it as um, a modality in a way I love I love doing it. I love practicing. I love guiding other people. But I think because of my design and I have the open (laughs) head in Ajna, it's that idea of wanting to show that I know what I'm talking about or making people certain or the two, four and sort of proving myself and other aspects of my chart. I think that I was using it as a little bit of a validation or a crutch or sort of like, but you see, I I can follow this and then I can help you. And I'm so proud of myself that I have continued to evolve into, I know it very well. I've embodied it. I use it and I infuse it with everything, but I also have all these other things to offer people. And I'd love how you, your relationship with, with human design, if you've experienced that also. Yeah, definitely. I, well, when I first discovered human design, I dove into it deep. I was in the middle of massage school and I was studying at night human design. Like, I, I, it was like basically dual majoring, trying to um, learn both at the same time. And massage school, I couldn't change. It was going to happen either way, but I I was doing this self-paced course for human design and I was so curious. I needed to know everything about it that I was like, I don't care if I'm burnt out, which isn't healthy. Don't do this. And I was like, I don't care if I'm burnt out. I want to know more about human design. Like it was like, this is a burning desire. I felt like I discovered my life's purpose with it. 
and then so so then I was shocked to say the least when I got back home from massage school and I was starting to um feel trapped by this thing that I was building I was I was originally trying to launch my business as um a human design version like like mostly focusing on human design and I started to feel uninspired to post and like losing motivation and I didn't feel like studying it as much and because now suddenly it felt like work but I also felt so trapped in my posts only ever being about human design and only coaching people through human design and then even in my personal life where there's like some discrepancies that I personally have like I 100% totally support human design but there's some things I feel like aren't touched on within the system and if I um if I solely adhere to it then I felt like I was also trapping myself in my personal growth and my mindset of myself and any time that a modality especially human design becomes limiting it's not doing what it's supposed to do so I realized really quickly, and I'm sure that this relates to you with the being multi-passionate thing, is I feel like I opened back up when I was able to explore everything and have human design be a tool that I know and and could notice conditioning in people and 100% teach those basic concepts, like the, the main things that human design is about. Are, are so important to the world. And so even if no one knows the, if no one knows the details between the types and the energy centers and um, things of that nature, even if no one knows about that, the least that I could do is spread the concepts that human design is all about. The, the reason that I felt so freed and I feel like that's important and there are other modalities that could complement it if that's my ultimate goal you know yeah oh I love that you're sharing and that we're talking about this because I do feel like there's something that happens on in it could happen in any different modality or any job or industry or relationship where you Mm -hmm. feel like it has to be all or none and well if I love this and I follow this and I've been lit up by this and I all of a sudden feel differently or some new information comes in and now I'm thinking about it differently, does it mean that I was wrong before? Mm -hmm. Does it mean that it was a waste of time? Does Mm -hmm. it mean that I'm not connected to myself because how could I have, you know, felt this way about something and now I feel differently about it? And so I think what you're sharing is so important for people to hear that Part of all of this, I feel like, and I think you do too, is figuring out the parts and the pieces of it that, that matter, that make sense, that deeply connect with us, and then continuing to grow and expand. And we are weaving together our own versions. Like that's mm-hmm. where that authenticity comes in that, okay, I can really lean into the types or I can really lean into the nine different centers, for example. And that becomes part of my lens and how I experience energy and exchange energy with others 
it doesn't mean that the other things are wrong or bad or aren't valid. It just means that these are the things that speak to me the most. And so I'm going to include them in my way of viewing the world, but I'm going to continue to, to bring in new things and see what else either complements that, or maybe it turns out that, okay, that, that served me for a season or a purpose. And now there's like a new layer to build on. Yes. And that's why I think it's so important to be open to pivoting, open to evolving and being willing, especially as a business owner, being willing to show your evolution to the world. Because at that time, you know, I was posting social media posts about only about human design. And then I was like, well, I've kind of walked myself into a corner with this one. And I realize, you know, it's okay if I pivot. It doesn't have to be a quick pivot if that feels more natural. But I am starting to open it up and I want people to know and whether that my posts change or my bio and like all of these things, I'm slowly telling everyone I actually want to do this instead and there's and and, and it's not a complete 180 it doesn't have to be um like I'm still going to talk about human design here and there but my main focus is shifting and I think that's totally fine if it if it opens up a space where you can be authentic and where you can continue to evolve and not disvalue what the journey and what you had gone through and what you had learned from it then that is so powerful rather than having the pressure to once I start it has to be perfect it has to um it has to be exactly how I want it my ideal and then guess what your ideal shifts you grow you change you whether it's um the way that you your aesthetic is on your social media or whatever or maybe it's your messaging and maybe it's big messaging and maybe it's smaller things and giving yourself that freedom to explore what you're truly authentic about will really let your authentic self come out and it'll let you shine and ultimately it's your authentic self that will attract the people that are right for you in your life because you will be showing the parts of yourself that will speak to other people the most yes 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 and it's still challenging to do that. And I feel (laughs) you so deeply that, well, first of all, as, as a manifesting generator, I, I mean, I could have pivot as a tattoo because I feel (laughs) like that is all I do. And for so long, I felt so much shame and self-judgment, judgment from others about you did this and now you're doing this and now you're doing this. And I continue to do that with my business and there's no rhyme or reason there. It doesn't seem to be any cycle to it. It's not moon-based. It's not seasonally. It's not quarter. It's just, I am, I try very hard to be in tune with what is lighting me up and exciting me and where I feel myself being drawn to. And the very best that I can do for my clients and my community and my friends and family is to be authentically me. That's the only thing that I can be. Every time I try to be someone else, I'm disappointing myself. I'm showing up in a way that is not really of service and not really adding value. And 
quite the opposite. Like I walk around feeling crappy because I don't feel like I'm fitting in my own skin. And if I can't be myself and, and the other part of that is, and I, you know, talk to other entrepreneurs and solopreneurs about this too, is we've, we've stepped into these roles and these opportunities because we're, we've been blessed and are given this opportunity to explore and play and create whatever we want. And I, it's always this push and pull of, you know, wanting to be, wanting to find the quote unquote right mode of success. And we see other people and human design is such a good example because there's certain people who have had unbelievable success in having a certain type of post and a certain type of content. And then inevitably that success is just like, like runs across everything and it's just stolen. It's emulated, it's modeled, it's everything. And then it, it waters down what is authentically ours because when you see everybody else doing something, you feel that either A, am I wrong or weird because I'm not doing that? Am I supposed to be doing that? Is that what people want? But I don't think it's necessarily what people want. I think I, I love what you said about when we are ourselves and we're, we're sharing those, those truths about ourselves, that is the best way to form that connection with people. Um, and I'd love to hear how you are able to do that with all of these outside messages of success or of certain ways to run an online business. How do you, how do you keep pivoting and sharing who you are when you might see it done a different way? This is something that I find interesting because I feel like imposter syndrome is also a factor in this mm -hmm. um because you're learning from people and then you try to recreate it to some extent because you revere this person so much and you believe everything they say like it's law and <laughs> you try to recreate it to some extent and you realize you're not this person and I think that's where a lot of imposter syndrome comes from is you realize you aren't your mentor and you never will be your mentor but there are unique traits about you that is so powerful and and maybe your mentor doesn't have those unique traits that you have and that's what you have going for you and but you, but you're over here trying to replicate your mentor too much and and that's where the it, it's important to one shift into finding your unique strengths and noticing what you're doing differently than the world and praising yourself for it rather than doubting yourself for it. I think that's one of the powerful shifts in terms of showing up authentically but also giving yourself the like giving yourself the praise of changing. That is such a strength. Changing is, it's seen as one of those things in business where it makes you seem unreliable or mm -hmm. flaky. Yeah. And changing is, is you. It, it's one of the things you're great at. And so having that mind shift, mindset shift of, wait, this isn't a weakness. This, 
the the reason that it's a weakness is because this, the world thinks it's a weakness but i'm here to show that this is a strength that that being different in this way can be a good thing maybe i can inspire other people to do the same thing and i feel like change is something that's so common across the board with people i mean definitely certain designs show <laughs> show more change within them like it could be like a six line thing Mm -hmm. or um manifesting generators and and there's like many ways in which someone can change rapidly shifting all of these perceived weaknesses into your strengths because then what happens too this also feeds into imposter syndrome because then what happens is you see your strengths as weaknesses and so then not only are you not your mentor, but the strengths that make you unique, you perceive as weaknesses. And then you're like, what do I have going for me? <laughs> I don't yeah. I can't do this. I like everyone else. I can't do this like everyone else. And you're missing the point. You're missing that discovery of yourself and, and showing yourself compassion and adoring imperfections for making you unique. And I say imperfections loosely because perfection is so subjective so subjective to what's perfect to one person could be imperfect to another person and so when I say like your imperfections really that word to me means unique qualities imperfections make things unique they're the same thing to me so the goal is to stop prioritizing perfection to be okay with the word imperfection maybe you don't want to use that word maybe you prefer uniqueness but I personally make it a mission to adore imperfections and appreciate it for what it like for them being unique like maybe some someone maybe you're interacting with someone and something someone does just rubs you the wrong way but that's just who they are you know and previously would have been irritated and annoyed and I'm not perfect sometimes it still happens (laughs) but I make a conscious effort now to be like well even though this isn't something that I would that I like vibe with heavily I still really appreciate that this person's willing to be themselves you know Yes, 100%. I feel like that has been such a big place of growth for me, especially when being younger and everybody just wants to fit in. Everybody just wants to conform. And thinking back as to the people that were confident enough to be different, or they just didn't care or they just didn't know any other way of being than being themselves. They had not drank the Kool-Aid and been conditioned (laughs) into wearing the things or acting a certain way or doing the things and how much cooler they are now in my eyes than they were then and how for so long I've struggled with presenting myself authentically, which is different from everybody because everybody is different from everybody. Mm -hmm. And even moving away from the whole idea of a group decision-making or group think where it's, what do we think about this topic? Or what should we do about this situation where 
just the idea of it's a collective we versus each person having their own individual thing and being mm -hmm. able to come to the table with what they feel is most aligned for them. And I'm wondering if that idea for perfection, I mean, we're not born with that, right? I mean, maybe some people, it part of their design is something very aesthetically driven or mm. something. I know people have very much like a correcting channel or a correcting design or improvements or things like that. But to me, that's not really the search for perfection. That could be the search for improvement or enhancement or you know, it could, it could come into the world in many different ways, but I feel like perfection is based on an ideal and that ideal is established by really the media, whether it be in movies, you know, television, any other kind of public performance art, magazines, all of that. I feel that well, from a human design perspective, there are certain things that do trigger um, improvement, like this this need to improve. Um, a lot of the times in terms of perfectionism in human design, it's it can be when things are out of balance, when you're acting as your not self theme um, of things and, and you've been conditioned and you're kind of like reacting from the shadow side of different things. So that could be a cause for it human from a human design lens but I definitely think that the media does contribute to an extent and but also just like thinking from my own experience other kids who I respected I think a lot of it for me stemmed from not feeling good enough to some in in some way or form like trying to prove that I am good enough in, in some in some way you know it, it obviously showed up in many different aspects but if I get to the core of it it was that I didn't feel worthy or like I was enough for people or that I had to prove myself which can be a common thing with um, people who have an undefined heart center your mm -hmm. ego center in human design also which is like 70% of the world um, so that could be a human design cause for it also but definitely the media just just having role models I think what it is I think it's like putting people on pedestals and not seeing yourself as an authority figure and whether that shows up in the media with actors you adore and want to meet and you become a fan of or whether that's um, your parents or your friends at school and you just want to be liked and you just want to feel enough and you are having a hard time seeing that for a in yourself so you're you're trying to act certain ways because you like this in another person and so if you do this maybe you'll be liked type of situation is how I think that mm. manifests. So it all comes down to not feeling good enough but if I can make this better and that better then I will be loved and I will yeah. be good enough and I will be needed, wanted, seen, heard, all of the things. 
I think it's a very unconscious thing most of the time. Yeah. I don't think there's this like thought process about it. But if I look back to my actions and where I think everything was stemming from, I definitely think it was that. I actually didn't even discover that I didn't like myself until I was 20, I think. No, 21. And I thought I loved myself on the outside. I sure acted like I liked myself, but then there were other deeper actions that I had that I didn't even realize until someone pointed out to me, one of my friends. And I was like, oh my God, wait, (laughs) you're right. I think I actually hate myself. And I thought that it was I, I like it was just so, such a crazy shift for me and and now I've done so much work and I love myself and I even love the part of me that hated myself back then but it's just crazy that I went through 21 years of subconsciously not liking myself and uh, all the ways that that showed up in my life that I, I didn't realize until then you know could you share some of the clues that you had because I think what you said is so interesting and so profound and many of us might wear the um, costume or play the role of loving ourselves but what we're saying to ourselves inside is not so loving or maybe the actions that we are taking are really causing harm to ourselves and that's not really the way that we would act if we truly had that feeling of, you know, deep, unconditional love. So what, for people listening that this is probably striking a chord with, what were some of the clues that you had after you started to do your examination that were, wow, I was showing up like this, but behind the scenes, this is really what was happening. I think one of the main ones that I was really focused on was love finding love like Mm. I wanted to find the person that I am gonna end up with straight out the womb I was looking (laughs) as long as I can remember and I'm still a hopeless romantic but I realized that it's not something I need anymore you know it's like it would be nice sure but at the end of the day, I fulfill myself with my self-love enough to not crave that as heavily as I used to. Um, and it would be something I would talk about all the time. It would be like, oh, um, I like this person or oh, blah, blah, blah. And now when people ask me how I'm doing, that's not the first thing that comes to mind is my romantic updates you know mm. it's like oh yeah I'm doing this like for myself and blah, blah blah and it's really cool you know and so that was a powerful shift for one but also not wanting to be alone that is a very common one like when I was around people it was great I was thriving and I hated when I had to leave <laughs> it's like it's like oh no no I have to be alone like I don't know <laughs> but now I can't get enough alone time um just because of how free I am to just like do whatever I want with my time with myself and what now I feel depending on the situation like sometimes if I want to watch tv and someone wants to watch it with me then I feel like oh well, I can't watch what I want to watch now <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
So definitely listening more to my needs, listening more to what I want to do and um, being fulfilled like without another person because ultimately we're all whole people Mm -hmm. and and friends, relationships, those things won't fill you in in the same way that money won't fill you. Like all, all of these things that we're trying to um place within ourselves but you realize that the only thing that will fill you is your soul being whole and your soul is whole already it it can't be not whole (laughs) like it's always going to be whole it's just whether or not you see that and you feel that and you take time like really sitting in your heart space and feeling how full and whole your soul is with or without someone and and that's not to say that you have finished healing there there is no finishing healing it's a lifelong process and even if you heal on the big things then something else could happen and you have to heal again so it's not about it's not about being healed that's not what makes your soul whole it's about realizing that you are this perfectly sensitive or or sweet or whatever soul within you and maybe it's been hurt and you have to heal but it didn't take away any piece of you that pain or that trauma it's it's still within you it just needs some extra love right now you know and being able to sit with yourself and that healing process and not repressing anything because I think that stems from it too that's probably why I didn't realize how much I didn't like myself is because I had been repressing so much. Like I thought I didn't have emotions to like, to a a degree. I, I still experienced anger and happiness. That was the two that always got out. I felt like I didn't have emotions. I cried like maybe once a year and it was normally from being overwhelmed from the amount of things I had overcommitted to and not actually being sad for, um, like not actually experiencing sadness, but rather stress crying. <laughs> mm. And I realized that I had been repressing so deeply that I wasn't able to sit with myself through the pain. I was like, I was constantly escaping from it, which had then led me to a whole bunch of other escapism right. of emotions, which, you know, you live and you learn, <laughs> but I definitely had some unhealthy coping mechanisms from all of that. And so I just, I feel it's so important to learn how to sit with yourself and be enough for yourself and not need anything at all, anything. (laughs) Like you really don't need anything. And when you realize that, it's so powerful. Like when you realize you don't need the drugs, you don't need sex you don't need like anything you can imagine you don't actually need it everything in moderation can be nice you know if that's something that you're thinking about but you don't need to rely on these things to escape your current life you you want to make your life and and you want well you want to love yourself enough and you want to make your life something that you don't need to escape from and i just feel like that's a powerful shift that people would that I hope people do because I I want people to love themselves and you can't really love other people if you don't love yourselves not fully like you 
you can, but it's not that true, unconditional, universal love that we're trying to spread in the world. You know, the the type that doesn't get je- jealous of other people's wins, the type that um de- that loves uniqueness. You know, like that type of universal love can only really be done when you love yourself. And so I encourage anyone listening to really sit with yourself and see where you're at with your self-love. I mean, I feel like we just heard your TED talk and that was ridiculously (laughs) amazing and inspiring. And it's making me think a lot too about not just the search for love or the search for acceptance, but the search that we have for business success or any place we are are putting our attention because we're wanting that to make us feel a certain way is because we're not feeling whole or worthy or of, of value without it. You know, we're not being a good enough citizen of the world. We're not being a good enough mother or partner or, you know, child or whatever it is. And so by looking to these other things to sort of be our proof or a validation of, well, I achieved this and I did this and I have this. So that must mean that I am worthy of love and I am good enough. But I, I, completely and so deeply appreciate what you shared because without that feeling in ourselves we will always be searching we will always be looking we will always be trying to find the thing to fill us and make us whole and nothing and no one can do that other than us and it doesn't make us selfish or Mm self-absorbed the opposite it allows us to come from a heart-centered space. It allows us to celebrate somebody else's wins Mm -hmm. and not think, well, if they got it, then I'm never going to get anything. Or Mm -hmm. if they have love that there's no partner for me or whatever it is that goes through our crazy little egos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like one, there's more than enough to go around. I feel like there's a lot of survival instincts that come out in and competitiveness when you're trying to make it for yourself in some way or form. Um, but there is more than enough to go around, especially as more people shift to sharing more and like um, supporting each other. Like, for instance, one of the traps that I see in mostly um, programs, and the reason that I'm thinking about this is because I've had people mention that they've spent tens of thousands of dollars on program after program, and they still don't feel like they're, uh, like, they still feel like a mess in some form, whatever that means to them, right? And I feel like it's because the trap of, pro- of, of you using programs as a way to fill yourself also is that you get to the end of these tens of thousands of dollars and you realize nothing changed because it wasn't these programs that were going to help you. I mean, these programs are amazing for sure, but these programs aren't like, if you're not willing to put in the work for yourself and, and actually have some change within yourself that that starts from you it starts from your own voice in your head it starts from 
your core, those changes um, are going to be what makes a powerful difference. Now, when I do programs, because I love programs, <laughs> I have I realized I was starting to get into that pattern. And I realized that I needed to start by saying I am enough. I these programs aren't going to make me enough. These, these programs will give me some cool perspectives and I want to learn and I want to support these people um, with what they're doing. And I want to hear what they have to say. And, and it's, it's coming now from a place of support more so than the fact that I think that it's going to fix me. Right. It's going to enhance something. It's going to add to, it's going to tweak or change a perspective or give you like a new way of looking at things or learning. But yeah. And I think that that is, so prevalent in the spiritual industry of Mm -hmm. the fixer, the healer, the guru, the sort of person that's going to come in and, and change everything. And, and you're going to completely look at life differently. And I think there are times where we take courses and it has that sort of lasting impact, or we get that major, um, aha, we have that activation, that embodiment for which we can then move forward. But eventually we come back to ourselves and we've got to do the work to integrate that. Or why am I always looking for this outside thing? Mm -hmm. And, And that's one of the things too, for people that do this work, we can only serve at a level that comes from our greatest intention, greatest good, but we can't do anything for and quote somebody else we Mm -hmm. can offer we can share we can guide we can mentor we can do all these things but once it leaves our lips or once it leaves our energy field the other person is 100% solely responsible for what they do with it and I think sometimes especially for all of people that are empaths we want so badly to be of service Mm -hmm. and be of help and then we'll meet with someone and, and they didn't get the results that they thought they were going to get, or they didn't take the advice or they didn't make the change or the thing didn't happen. And so many times that can then put us right back in that imposter syndrome, right back in that I'm mm-hmm. not enough. I didn't do enough. And so to understand what you're saying so deeply, both from the benefit of ourselves, but also for the work that we do in the world or just in human relationships, period, Mm -hmm. you cannot do anything for somebody else. They have to be 100% sovereign and do their piece of it. Yeah. Something that was really powerful for me because I have been teaching yoga for a while. Um, and one of my students one time after class, it was my first class with her. She complimented me and then said, I can tell you're such a healer. And I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh my God, my, my heart is so happy right now. Like, and it was that moment where I felt like, wow, that is I do want to be a healer. Like that makes me feel really good. I want to heal people. And then a few months later, I went to massage school (laughs) and one of my massage teachers immediately, like, I want to say it was like the first or second day, right off the bat you are not healers. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was taking it back. (laughs) 
And she was like, you are not healers. You hold space for people to heal if they choose to, if that's, if that's something that's natural in that moment, if that's something like you meet them where they're at that day, you hold space for whatever changes that their body wants at that time, but you do not heal them. They, they heal themselves and you're just a tool that they're using basically like, like your hands are, are, um, in a massage are helping to, um, hold space for their body to do, to change and encourage it maybe, but they, at the end of the day, their body has to want to heal. Like there's nothing that we directly do. And, and if it's something emotional too, because a lot of time emotional things will come up during massage, if they start crying, that's nothing you did that it's nothing you did specifically it was it was their their moment to have that release and and they are the only ones who caused that within them like caused that release to be able to heal and you were just holding space for it you know and that became that quickly became one of the pillars of my coaching approach because I realized that at the end of the day I don't want to change people or fix people I want to be there and I want to I want to hold space for them and I want to reflect back to them what they're saying to me and um help them to like like guide them on a good path I I noticed that I went from being a healer to a guide in my mind to a supporter in my mind because I really just want to be there and I'm I'm so honored to be able to witness your growth but that's what it is your growth you know Mm. and it's it's nothing I'm doing I'm but I'm honored that you allowed me to be there with you while you go through these changes and you evolve and it's such a beautiful experience when then I'm seeing it as their wins too it's like wow like you should be proud like you're you you did that you had this shift within you from like one week to another and that's just so beautiful and I want you to celebrate your hard work because it's not anything that I did for you that was all you you know (laughs) yeah I love that perspective it's it's being a facilitator it's being a guide it's creating a container it's holding space it's being a mirror it's all of these things of walking alongside somebody to allow them the time, the energy, the insights, even the idea of, of channeling, which I'm stepping into in mm-hmm. a, in a bigger way for the first time is a tricky thing. It's sort of like, it's not, they're not my messages. Mm-hmm. I'm just the conduit. I'm just mm-hmm. the person delivering what it is that I'm hearing and I'm receiving. You know, I've been exploring my whole plant channeling Mm -hmm. and it's so incredible and it's so powerful and I'm so grateful and I'm just I'm just reporting the facts I'm just sharing what it is that I am getting and then and I'm so grateful and blessed and honored to be doing it and then it's up for the other person to interpret and and take mm-hmm. and integrate and res you know and see what resonates and see how it applies and all of that and I think it can get so heavy and and mucky in our own mind and I I love the perspective you're sharing and I think that that's 
so helpful, again, both on the personal level and our interpersonal relationships, mm -hmm. and also from the soulpreneur stuff. And I do think that it changes the energy for which we approach everything that we create from a social media post to a podcast to an offering, a session, et cetera, that we, if we're coming from a place of, of our love for ourselves, mm -hmm. of wholeness, of authenticity, and then creating something with the intention of a container, a safe space, an opportunity for somebody else to step into their own power and their own growth, that literally is the highest expression that we can have for ourselves. And mm -hmm. um, I love that we got the chance to talk about that because I, I think that, I think it comes over time. And I think that we, of course, all come to these soulpreneur journeys in a different way. But I do think this is something that every person who's in, who's mindful and trying to live more consciously has this conversation with themselves and has to sort of walk this path to find this, this place in their journey. Yeah. And, and something you said reminded me back to the evolution of it all because authenticity like in in order to remain truly authentic to yourself that's going to include some kind of evolution some kind of change throughout your life most likely and it's it's interesting to me because I also feel like in the coaching world um there's a lot of like we are literally holding space for people to change <laughs> to evolve like we're supporting them but then it's interesting because how in the in when it when it comes to like using that in our business like as this important pillar and and being willing to show all of these pivoting and evolving and that we're growing just like how we encourage other people to grow and showing that and just how we encourage other people to show how they've evolved and there's just something so powerful about that. And so I find it interesting that it's not a more common theme in the coaching world in terms of business aspects. Yeah, absolutely. It's like we are asking something of others that we're not willing to do or share ourselves mm -hmm. in, in, in many cases. Yeah, that's such a good point. I have loved having <laughs> you on and talking about all of this. I think transformation, authenticity, self-acceptance, they are all so important to me. They're such pillars of my business, of who I am supposed to be in a human capacity. And I'm so honored that, that we found each other and that they're also so important for you and that you're able to do your work in the world and help spread the same messages of that. Because just imagine if people walking around, this was their basis for living and that mm -hmm. was just like spreading all over the place. It would be crazy, powerful and magical and we'd be a heck of a lot nicer to ourselves and to yes. other people. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everybody where they can find you and how they can work with you. So I have a website that's my main hub called cloudcloud.space. You can find it and then in there I have an upcoming workshop. If you click the workshops and freebies link, 
I have a workshop coming up all about evolution, choosing evolution over perfection. So kind of what we were talking about today. And I also have a community and different things that you can find in there. And I am about to put my coaching up live. So I look forward to seeing you. Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. So lovely talking to you. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.